Welcome back to the Soccer Hour, everyone. Ted Ramey with you here on KNBR 1050, and we are continuing our conversation with the general manager of the San Jose Earthquakes, Jesse Fiorinelli. Very busy offseason for you that started um, very shortly after the end of the season and the playoff loss to Vancouver. I remember um, you and Chris Leach did a conference call with the media, and you had a, a meeting in there, and you answered some questions. And then a couple of weeks later, um, after that period of assessment that you initially alluded to, you just decided to start making those changes where it was going to be bringing in uh, Michael Starry, whether it was going to be going after certain uh, free agents, what we saw going back and bringing in Danny Houston back to the club. Um, from where the season ended to where you started going out and looking at potential players and looking at homegrown signings, did you have a definitive timeline or was did it take a bit to develop that plan after the season ended? I guess, how long did that period of assessment versus period of action really take, or was it building up even before the season ended? Um, I'd like to compare a season with a game and the story. I say this because I think that every single uh, game says its own story, and the same is also with a season. And I think that over a certain period of time, you start to already get a gut feeling uh, as to where you stand inside of that book mm -hmm. and my main or our main objective was to head into the 2018 season with that same excitement the way we had ended it uh, but at the same time making sure that even with new additions on top of the core uh, whether that's from the player side uh, many of which are very very important mm -hmm. or all of which are very very important including uh, Chris Leach with whom I'm working day in and day out, um, just like we did in the first six months, that whatever was going to present itself in the new year um, would be ready to commit, would have, would be also very motivated. Uh, I'm just excited about being able to say today, um, heading into the first week of preseason, the roster is complete. There might be a small little surprise this week. <laughs> um, <laughs> nothing big, but I think that's something that we can all look forward to. Um, and that, yeah, we have this optimism in general. The, the roster is ready. It's composed of uh, a solid core, a very important core. Mm -hmm. I think the new players, in fact, we even discussed this yesterday, um, that have joined us can look back at the last seasons and... Uh, pay tribute to them um, because if it weren't for these players, for these coaches prior to my arrival or during the last season, we wouldn't be feeling the way we're feeling today. And so I think that we have to be aware where we are. We're in San Jose and it's a special club. Again, we're talking to Jesse Fiorinelli right now, general manager for the San Jose Earthquakes here on the Soccer Hour on KMBR 1050. You had a full off season to work with this time around versus a year ago. How different was that in and of itself? Whereas you came in last year in you know the start of January, whereas you this time around had all of November, all of December, and you've still had in January. And like you alluded to, you might not be done yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the big advantage is is that the work didn't start in November, December, um, but our work for January, where we are today, started in June, July. Wow. And we would want to find ourselves in the same position heading into 2019, where we already know pretty much by May, June, what that team will look like. And, you know, teams in Europe actually plan three years ahead, <laughs> looking at their roster that they have in 
their second team or in the youth academy. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves either. But I think that is the big difference. We were able to say, well, ha- what is the physiognomy going to be? What is the structure going to be of the team? And how can we create a balanced roster with experience, with young players, with San Jose players, mm-hmm. homegrown, nationals and internationals? And so, yeah, that's where we are right now. You've talked a lot about the youth, though, in your time since taking over here in San Jose. And last year we got to see Jackson Yule out there. We saw the very rapid development of Nick Lima out there before the last third of the season was hampered with his hamstring injury. Um, Getting those youth players and, like you said, trying to develop like European clubs three years in the future. And I know you don't want to go that far ahead, but – do you look at it the sense of getting the player on there on the field to who's young, whether it's a Paul Marie, whether it's a Jackson Ewell, is that something that you think right now the earthquakes are situated to where it can help them in the here and now and in the future? Yeah, no doubt. I think that the players that have already um, shed some skin last year, whether in the first team or with Reno, um, or even the ones that have joined us that might not have been part of our club, playing maybe with the New York Cosmos, like mm-hmm. Eric Calvillo, um, and the draft players that we picked up at, at the draft. All of them will contribute in one way or another in the entire San Jose organization, whether it is in San Jose or whether it's with our close partner, Reno. What we want ultimately, and I don't want to send any um, you know, wrong impressions or wrong expectations, is that... At ev- for every single player, there has to be a plan. Mm-hmm. And this player has to feel like he's challenged in the right setting f- for where he's at in that moment so that he can dominate in his respective team to say, I have the confidence to take on the next chapter, mm-hmm. whether that's from the 19th to, the, to Reno, whether that's from Reno to the first team. And obviously, there will be players that one day will be mature enough, uh, strong enough, confident enough in imposing their game that they can take on that next chapter after that, which will happen one day in the future. The new head coach of the Quakes, Michael Starre, immediately seemed at, at ease out there um, working with everyone. And Chris Dangerfield and I had a chance to go over and talk to him. And, you know, we were just quickly talking tactics and stuff like that. And his kind of take was, hey, let's see what we have and in terms of talent and ability and worry about the tactics and the formation after that. And I, I love that approach because I feel too often coaches in sports say, this is what I do. You need to adapt to what I'm trying to do. Whereas to me, the most successful coaches are the ones that say, we're going to maximize your abilities and get the most out of you. And I will adapt to what you can put out there on the pitch. How important was that ideology to you in making a decision and bringing in a Michael Starry? It was very important, just like it was important um, to understand uh, what type of uh, leadership qualities uh, the coach has. And in Michael, we have uh, a head coach that uh, from several sources, um, whether that's players, managers, directors inside of clubs, have told us he was the most important asset of our club. And, um, you know, or in players' cases, he helped me understand what to do in specific situations that other coaches have not done for a longer period of time. Mm-hmm. He was compared to some some really big coaches in Europe. Now, I don't want to um, set any expectations. All I can tell you is that's what has been said to me. This is uh, part of the m- this is one of the main reasons why uh, I am excited. And uh, I believe that as we head into um, the new season, 
I think that we will see slowly but surely um, the signature of San Jose earthquakes under Michael Starry um, unfold. And I'm optimistic about it. Now, obviously, you've been very busy for the last year, and I hope in the off-season time period that uh, we've discussed wine before. Obviously, your family owns a vineyard, and you yourself like <laughs> wine. Was there, was there time for wine? Was there time <laughs> for family? Because, I mean, you, we see the timeline of what you've been doing since the playoff loss to Vancouver, and you've obviously been a very busy individual, but were you able to step back at all and say, all right, I'm going to hang out with you guys. We're going to drink some wine. We're going to spend some time as a family, your friends, extended family and friends. Or has, have you still found yourself in the process of, I can't step back yet? Um, since January uh, 10th, 2017, I've taken a whole half day off. <laughs> <laughs> but even at Roma, it was not very different. Um, and that's what I love about the game. Otherwise, I wouldn't be working as much as I am. And it's not only myself. And there are people I work with day in and day out, whether that is Vasily Kremansidis, mm-hmm. uh, who is uh, our associate director of player personnel and, and analysis. It's Chris Leach. Uh, it is Ron Chenault, etc. A whole group of people that make San Jose their priority. Um, have we been able to enjoy a glass of wine with my wife? Of course. <laughs> um, I, get, I get to choose um, you know, those small off breaks, uh, and that is a luxury, the small luxury that I have, <laughs> <laughs> and also the type of wine that we like to drink. So <laughs> That's good. <laughs> uh, no, the, I have to say, it, wh- what makes it really easy is being able to call work time, your work time in San Jose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if it weren't for that, it probably would be very stressful. Now, we've been lucky in being in Rome, and we've been lucky in being in San Jose. <laughs> so it makes it all the more worthwhile. Yeah, it's uh, two pretty uh, interesting cultures you've been able to be a part of so far in your soccer life. So that's yeah. not <laughs> nothing to complain about. And, yeah. you know, I, I guess heading towards this season, are you most excited at this point for a, an opening game on March 3rd, or are you more intrigued by seeing where the team is going to be in, say, July, or is it testing the team against when you go against the standard bearers now in Toronto FC or go against the big spenders in Atlanta or, you know, what other team is going to be? Or is it, are, there, are there checkpoints you're looking to clear, or are you just waiting to see what happens one day, one week, one match at a time? Yeah, it really is the way you just said it at the end it, it's every day it's every training or, or game um, in which you start to mm, have more and m- more of a sensation about every single player about the dynamic of the team of how I can support the team and especially the coach that's my primary job to make you know the life easier <laughs> um, and having said that I think that there is one you know m- big date and that's March 3rd mm-hmm. And and after that, it's every other weekend uh, <laughs> or every uh, every weekend thereafter <laughs> until the very end. So um, I can't wait for the beginning of the season. Uh, Mikael and I, have we have been uh, scratching up the wall the last couple of months. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure everybody's excited to hear that. And I know you have stuff to do, so I'll let you go, Jesse. But as always, you're welcome in the broadcast booth with me anytime during <laughs> yes. the games. If they for some reason can't find, uh, find a place for you. But uh, the last year has been very, very fun. And especially for me, it was, you know, the franchise is a part of my family and our family's history. And you know what's happened over the past year has been incredible. And looking forward uh, to what the future holds. And we're going to find out pretty quickly on March 3rd. Oh, thanks, Ted. Real pleasure. 
Again, that has been Jesse Fiorinelli, the general manager of the San Jose Earthquakes, joining us here on the Soccer Hour on KNBR 1050. Today was media day at Avaya Stadium. You had a good crowd out there getting to watch the Earthquakes uh, at their second training day of the preseason, the official team-sanctioned training day, I should say, as the uh, players have been getting organized with their own activities prior to this. Uh, but it is interesting just to see the guys all kind of getting out there and seeing everybody join in. I know that, you know, everybody is not in 100% complete perfect shape yet, but that's kind of what this period is for. But I will say the amount of guys that are out there and already in phenomenal shape is uh, is exactly where you want these guys to be. And now we get to see how the coaching staff gets to handle these things. And we talked about it with Danger and, and Jesse. Michael Starre, one of the interesting things that he said to both myself and Chris Dangerfield was that he said, we're not just going to go out there and force our tactics and our formation on the guys that are here. We're going to look at their strengths. We're going to look at their weaknesses. We are going to see what we have and we are going to fit things around them to maximize their strengths and to me as someone who's a fan of sports who's someone who studies sports whether it's basketball whether it's hockey whether it's soccer whether it's football whatever it is I always like that coaching mentality and I think that those are the ones that are most successful because they don't try and say this is my way it's my way or the highway. It's let's see what we can do and let's maximize what we have here as a group. And I think that's the right mentality going forward. And listen, there are some coaches who have said, this is my way and this is the way we're going to do it. But for my money and for my experience in sports, the idea of having a coach who's waiting and willing to see what he has and then try and fit what works best around that group of talent, that's what Jim Harbaugh did with the 49ers. That's how somebody like a Bruce Bochy maximizes the success they have with the Giants' bullpen. He didn't need everybody to be some 99-mile-per-hour, gas-throwing, shutdown guy. He said, hey, I can use you in this situation. I can use you in that situation. It's like what Steve Kerr does with the Golden State Warriors. He finds out how to maximize Steph Curry's defensive abilities, even if he isn't the best defender in the world. Those are the coaches that have the success that we end up talking about. Sure, there are some guys who are hard-lined with their system and their ideology, but I think that's more of the exception than the rule. To me, the successful ones are the ones that figure out how to adapt systems to the players. That wraps it up for the Soccer Hour here on KMBR 1050. I'm Ted Ramey signing off for the San Jose Earthquakes.